This is the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from September 4th by Brother Todd Burgess titled Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. All right, if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open up to Matthew 5. And this, this particular message is, is the last of those first 12 verses uh, dealing with the Beatitudes. And so, uh, and then next week, we'll, we'll look at the two similitudes that Jesus talked about, uh, being salt and light of this world. And so, but I believe it's, it's so very important that we understand all that Jesus is teaching his disciples here. He's teaching them how to live a spirit-filled life, how to live Christ-like, all those cliches that we hear as Christians to be filled by the Spirit of God. All these things is what Jesus here is teaching his disciples about how he expects his church to operate, how to function in this world. And that we need to have that spiritual poverty that requires a godly humility requires a godly sorrow over our sin and a godly meekness. Without those three characteristics, without those three attitudes in a, in a child of God's life, folks, we're going to miss out and not be able to go and do the work of the Father. Now, we, I want to stress that. We get too busy doing our own good works and we don't do the Father's good works that he has pre- prepared for us. And those are the works that receive rewards in heaven. Not our good works, but the Father's good works, according to Ephesians 2.10. And we need that godly humility, godly sorrow, and godly meekness in order to accomplish the Father's work. Otherwise, we're going to be surprised when we get to that point in time in our life and we come face to face with Jesus and he goes and looks, we look at our works, and they're all burned up as wood, hay, and stubble. Because what those, that spiritual poverty does, it'll lead us into the, into the proper, into the right spiritual passion for Christ, for God's work. And that spiritual passion, first of all, begins with a hunger and thirst for righteousness. we got to have a hunger and thirst for the things of God, that we, for his word, we should want to be involved in studying God's word, going through books of the Bible, doing that. We should be excited about it, hunger and thirst there. But it's also, it shows our passion is for things of above and not things of this world. And we should see that our passion should be toward God's own mercies. Again, all these things are what the Holy Spirit of God that is in us accomplishes. We cannot do it on our own because we'll fall short. But God's Holy Spirit can, can, can manifest these attitudes in our lives. And we'll have God's own, own mercy where even no matter who, who, no matter who wrongs us, no matter what's done, we're able to turn to them and give mercy. Now, folks, that's hard to do. Living a Christian life is very difficult, but it can be done through the Spirit of God in us. And then part of that spiritual passion is purifying our hearts. And again, it's not me that purifies my heart. It's the Holy Spirit in me. As we're going through the spiritual poverty and the spiritual passion, the Holy Spirit in me is purifying my heart. He says, today, Todd, for the next six months, I'm working on this in you. 
Okay, I don't want it, but okay. You know, and then when you get, when you get that, he'll go, here's, here's your next area. And you know what I find many times? The first thing he wants to work on are my strength, what I call my strengths. Because those are the places I'm not trusting God. I say, I, can't, I got this. And we can't, we can't live that way. We have, to, we have to rely upon Jesus. And then with that spiritual poverty, with that, with that uh, spiritual passion, without those things, without those six attitude changes in a, in, in a Christian's life, folks, we cannot persevere when hardships come. And so those, two, those six things, those two categories, spiritual poverty, spiritual passion, they lead to spiritual perseverance. We can persevere regardless of what comes our way. And that is what's so important. That is what's so important. That spiritual perseverance. And that's what we've been talking about last week. And then today we're going to wrap this up as we look at Verses 11 and 12. Because spiritual perseverance, one, it requires that to be peacemakers. How many want to be a peacemaker? No, because usually the peacemaker is the one that both both sides turn against. Because they don't want to repent of what they're doing, and they turn against the peacemaker so often. And so, as we look at at these passages of Scripture, and and we're going to be... In verses, uh, verse 11, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of you against you falsely for my name's sake. Now, see, we looked specifically about persecution last week, and, and we all look at persecution. Oh, and, and, and honestly, in America, very few churches, people have experienced real persecution. But what we're dealing with today I believe it's the start of what leads to real persecution. When people want to revile you, that means to slander you, to mock you, to criticize you, all kinds of abusive words towards you. But not because of something you said or did that was wrong. Not because of some sin that you committed they're doing this. It's because of righteousness sake they're doing this and folks that is the key here that's the key see jesus here is focusing on a very general type of persecution where we would refer to as as i mentioned slander and slander is when you when there's something that's private in your life and somebody else for whatever reason make it public to hurt you okay that's that's the generic slander that we see here. But in this case, it's the child of God who is living for Christ and who is being mocked and ridiculed because of their life for Christ. Because what the people who don't know Christ, don't want to know Christ, their, their lifestyle is at odds with Christ's lifestyle. In 1 Peter 4, 1 through 2, it says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. That he no longer should live in the rest of his life in the flesh, in the flesh of the lust of men, but in the will of God. Now, Peter here is 
It's teaching basically what Jesus was taught him back in here in Matthew chapter 5. And it's how we are to react when persecution, when slander, when these type of actions come against us. How we're to respond. And the one thing that Peter says is do what? We need to have the same mind as Christ had. We've got to have that mind of Christ. And that is so important for us to have. And so we have to use God's wisdom to understand our circumstances. We, get, we need to realize, folks, when people are coming at us because we're living the Christ-like life, they're not coming at you or me personally. Because you know what? If we were living like the world, they wouldn't say a thing, would they? They're attacking Christ in us. And we're the recipients because they can't touch Christ, but they can attack us. And so we have to have the mind of Christ. And so when it, when it talks about there that they have ceased from sin, it doesn't mean, oh, I'm, I'm being persecuted now, I'm sinless. That's not what it's saying. It's saying you are living by those six attitudes, seven attitudes that we've just talked about these last seven weeks. And because that individual or those people who you are being light to, salt to, as we're going to get to next week, don't like it, they're coming against you. And they're persecuting you. They're reviling you. And you, you have to have that mind of Christ. And what's the mind of Christ? That peacemaker mind of Christ. Where you understand that it's your responsibility as a child of God to restore relationships. First and foremost is their relationship to God and then relationships to each other. Vertical first, then horizontal. And many are not going to want that. And that's why they're coming at you. That's why they're going to persecute you. And it takes God's wisdom for us to understand and pray, Lord, how do I handle this situation? Well, if you're walking in the Spirit of God like these attitudes are doing then you're going to hear that clear, clear voice of God prompting, saying, this is, why you're, this is what you're doing. This is how you need to respond. You're going to hear that. But too often, if there's sin in our lives that's unconfessed as children of God, we can't hear that voice, can we? Because sin stops us. That's why it's so important we stay confessed before God. 1 John 1, 9, we stay confessed before God daily. Hopefully, moment by moment, the mind of Christ. We have to understand that biblical worldview based that, that is totally opposite to the world's viewpoint. And so when persecution for righteousness sake takes place, we know that we're in Christ. We're living like we're supposed to be living. And that, that's a blessing. Now, also in 1 Peter 2, 21 to 23, it says, This is, in fact, what you are called to do, because Christ also suffered for you and left an example for you to follow in his steps. He never committed a sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but made in his habit to commit the matter to the one who judges fairly. Now, 
what, we're here, what we see here is kind of Peter had already talked, is talking about the mind of Christ right here. That's why in verse 4 he just says, have the same mind. Because he's already talked about it. The mind of Christ is, don't commit a sin. No matter what comes against you, no matter how you're treated, no matter what actions there are, make sure that your response is a godly response motivated by the direction of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. That's what he's saying here. And so don't be deceitful. Don't say, oh, well, did I say that, you know, about you've got to be holy and all. Don't back away from godly living. Don't be, don't, don't be intimidated. But don't be deceitful. So don't be deceitful about what the truth is. If you're assaulted, don't retaliate. You know? Jesus did a lot. If someone hits you on the right side, on the right cheek, give them the left. They take your, your, your coat, give them your shirt. I mean, he, these, these are ways of being that peacemaker. Because you know it's not about me. It's about relation, their relationship to Jesus. And so whatever it takes, we have to be willing to sacrifice as a child of God. See, the one living in the fullness of God allowing their attitudes to be changed by the Holy Spirit, is going to be able to respond this way. That's why we don't have to worry necessarily. We don't have to, we don't have to, well, what am I going to do if, if this happens? Don't worry about it. If you're walking by the Spirit of God, when the time comes, you're going to know. You're going to know how to respond. And so how do we know we're in Christ? One, we're not doing the things we used to do before we were in Christ, are we? Our life has changed. Our attitudes have changed. Going, going, going back to 1 Peter 4, but verses 3 and 4, it says, For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. Otherwise, like I just said, we're not doing what we used to do before we were a Christian. When we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excessive wine, reveling, banqueting, and all abominable idolatries. See, we're not doing all those things, and that's the problem. That's why the, the world has, is having a problem against us, because we're not doing the things that we used to do. In fact, verse 4 says, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speak even of you. Our life, our, what we're doing as children of God is strange to the world. And folks, it should be, it must be strange to the world. You see, we don't experience persecution the way that so many other Christians all over the world do. At least not yet. That day may be coming. But we will and be reviled. You see, more and more in America, there is an anti-Christian culture that is surfacing. People are losing their jobs. People are being labeled as radicals, haters, for simply standing up for Christian values, like life. 
Because standing up for Christian values of life, it goes absolutely contrary to the abortion industry, to euthanasia, to vaccinations. Because their research comes from aborted baby stem cells. Values go, Christian values go against those things. The world thinks that we're strange, that we believe what we believe. But folks, we have to stand on it because it's coming from God's word. And that's where we have to form our opinions, form our viewpoints, our philosophies should come from God's word, not from the world out there. See, the world thinks we're strange. But yet we know we are going to be held to a higher, absolute standard that has never changed. God's word has never changed. His standard has always been here. Again, back, back to 1 Peter 3, 14 to 16, it says, But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are you, and be not afraid. Now see, this is where sometimes as Christians we falter. When reviling comes, when people begin to, oh, well, you're one of the... And we, wanna, we kind of buckle under. We kind of have a, a fearful attitude. Oh, uh, I don't want to be left out. But it says, be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Sanctify means be set apart. As Christians, we're to be set apart. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We have the truth. We know the truth. And we have to be willing and, 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 and able to speak the truth to these folks. Notice, notice I'm not telling you convince these people. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, as a Christian, I need to convince people that Jesus is real. It doesn't say that. Get that out of your mind. Your job is simply, my job is simply just to speak the truth of God. And when they want to argue against you and all this kind of stuff, well, I'm sorry, that's what I believe and that's the truth. And, you know, that's all I can say. Thank you. Let the Holy Spirit of God do his job. It's the Holy Spirit's good job to convince people, not ours. We're simply to speak the truth. No matter how much persecution it brings back on us, we speak the truth. We've got to be ready to give at that answer. And notice it says, with meekness and fear. Meekness. Wow, it's going clear back to this what? These spiritual attitudes Jesus is talking about. Everything goes back to that. It all goes back to that. That's why those, these first things that Jesus is talking about in those first nine verses are so, so important. We have to be living this out. Or everything following Jesus talked about means nothing. Will manipulate it into the ways of the world. And then it says in verse 16 of 1 Peter 3 having a good conscience, 
that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse you of your good conversation in Christ. Folks, we cannot be offended when people speak lies about us, our character, our, our words. Don't be offended. If we get offended by it, what's that mean? It means that I am thinking too much of myself. Jesus never got offended by it. He knew the truth. We cannot be offended. It just shows that we're, speak, we're thinking too much of ourselves. And there can be some pretty great hurts that have taken place in people's lives. But if you compare it to what Jesus took, we find out they're insignificant. But that's why the Holy Spirit is in us to help us get through these things. Day by day, step by step. Sanctification is a... It's a lifetime process, folks. We're not going to get to the end of it, this side of, of, of heaven. Okay? We shouldn't worry about what people are saying about us. What we should be concerned about is what does God say about us? We belong and answer only to Jesus. Not our coworkers, not our friends, our neighbors, our fellow church members. You know? Unless we're in sin and the church brings discipline against a Christian, we answered Jesus. We need to make sure that he is the one that we answer to. See, it doesn't matter who is speaking or what they're saying. Because they're going to persecute you if you're living for Christ. It doesn't matter if, even if they're speaking like it says here in our text, all manner of evil against you, falsely, flat out lying against you. So what? Who cares? We speak the truth in love back to them. See, the world wants to defame you as an evildoer. I remember, and this thought this, this, this never passed my mind. Back when I was in the military, I was an E-7, had a platoon of soldiers underneath me. And they knew I was a Christian. In fact, they got to the point, after about a year or so being with them, that whenever I'd come in, their language would change around me. But then one day, I got real angry, and I swore. And they never let me forget it. Never let me forget it. Folks, we can't allow, we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to do His work no matter what takes place. If we find ourselves getting angry, getting upset because of all the things around us, it means our relationship with Jesus is not where it needs to be. Okay? It means it's not where it needs to be. They're going to try to, they're going to want to do everything to defame us, to, to get that little slip. Oh, look, you know better than me. No, I've never said I'm better, better than you. But Jesus is. You see, Matthew 12, 24 says, But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, 
this fellow that cast out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. They're, they're lying about Jesus. Here Jesus is casting out demons, and there's, oh, he does that because he's in league with Satan, and, and that's, Satan is just letting him do that. Really? They're defaming Christ. They're, doing, they're turning against, trying to turn the people against him. Even, even when he was being crucified in Matthew 27, 29, and when they, it says, and when they had plaited a crown of thorns. Now, these, these thorns are like, they're like two inches long thorns. Or these, these aren't the little rosebush thorns we see around here. Okay? And they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. This is what they did to Jesus. And he didn't retaliate. Here they mocked him this way. Mark 15, 32, here's Jesus hanging on the cross. And here's the Pharisees, the religious, religious leaders, they're saying, getting, getting the crowd to go and saying, let Christ the King of Israel descend now from the cross and that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him also. Both on both, the thieves on both sides said, well, they're not, they're not getting on us. Well, we're going to join in over here. That's what mocking, that's what happens when people revile you, when they persecute you, say all manner of evil against you. That's what they're, they're getting the crowds to come along so that you're all alone, hoping to get you to do and say something that wouldn't be pro proper. Jesus never did that. Even to the point later on, hanging on a cross, one of those thieves turned to him and said, Lord, take me with you. I believe that you are. Even one of the Roman guards, the centurion at the cross, surely said, this must be the Son of God. Because of how he responded. And folks, the same Holy Spirit that led Jesus at his life here is that same Holy Spirit that's in our lives that's wanting to lead us in the same power and strength. If we'll allow him, What's, what stops it is me. It's you. We, our attitudes, are the only thing that stops God from working through our lives. Us. See, we have to take seriously the command of God found in 2 Corinthians 6.17. Where it says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. See, the problem today is that we are not willing to live for the Lord because we're too busy living for ourselves. Are we willing to take abuse and persecution for the sake of of the Lord, for the Lord's sake, for righteousness' sake. Hebrews 12, 3 says, For consider him, that's Jesus, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Got to have that mind of Christ. Don't give in to fear. Walk by the Spirit 
And with every persecution, with every temptation, Jesus will provide a way out. The Bible's true. But don't take the easy way. Wait for his way out. Romans 8.36 says, as is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Now here's the problem with so many Christians in America. We're too prideful. We think too much of ourselves and not the one we're supposed to be serving. We think we have rights and privileges. And you know what? Those rights and privileges that we have here in America, they're a gift. They are a blessing from God because of so many that have gone before us who understood and lived for Christ. Matthew 16, 25 says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. I hope we're willing to lose whatever Christ wants to take from us. After all, what do we own in this world? What do you own? What do, what do I own? Is there anything that we own? If you say yes, then you don't understand the word of God. Everything you have, everything that I have, is a gift of God. We are merely his stewards of those things. I heard a pastor one time, uh, I don't even know who I, who I got this from years ago, but I've used it several times, but said, you know, God, if, if, if you wanted to take that car that you gave me and, and, and it got wrecked and do that, that's fine, that's your car, Lord. <laughs> Yeah, it's the, way, it's the way we need to think about things. It's not mine. It's the Lord's. I'm just his steward. I'm just his steward. Matthew 19, 29 says, And everyone that hateth, sorry, everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. See, folks, our focus cannot be on the things of this world. Our reward is in heaven. But yet there may very well be many that get there and it's all wood, hay, and stubble and it's burned up at the beam of seat of Jesus when we as Christians are held accountable for our life here on this earth. As his stewards, he's going to hold us accountable. And the only rewards that will survive the fire are gold, silver, and precious stones. Because you know what? Fire doesn't affect them. In fact, fire purifies them. And the only way that gold, silver, and precious stones become rewards is by following these seven attitudes that Jesus taught his disciples and is teaching us. And they have to be taught to us by the Holy Spirit of God. Apart from the Holy Spirit of God, it's a work of man, of ourselves.
And so we need to count it all joy. That's what verse 12 here in our text says. It says, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. We are to rejoice. Folks, that, that means leap up and down, jump up and down. Praise God. That's what it's talking about here. And be exceeding glad. Let's go back to 1 Peter 4, 13 and 14. I've already read. But rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. That when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. The Bible says that when we go to see Jesus, he's going to be wiping away all of our tears. Why will we get to heaven and have tears and need to be wiped away? For, that baffled me for a long time as a young Christian. Because when we stand face to face with Jesus, we're going to fall on our face and weep because we know we have fallen short. The Apostle John, look at all the prophets, Old Testament, New Testament. Whenever the presence of God was brought into their life, they fell on their face as dead men and thought their life was over because they're sinners. But we should be happy, joyful, exceeding joy. Verse 14, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth among you. On their part is spoken evil, but on your part he is glorified. Folks, one thing the Bible teaches, and I might have mentioned this last week, and I believe I'll be mentioned here a couple weeks to come. You want to praise God? We talk about time of, of, of praise and, and, and to praise God during, during some times of prayer and so forth. You want to praise God? Do what the Scripture says. Praise Him for the persecution that's taking place in your life. How many of us can do that? I'm hard-pressed. To do that. I can look back in my life down the road four or five years or further down, find some couple spots here and there. But can we do it the way the church in Jesus' day did? Or I mean in the apostles' day? Every week people were being persecuted and they counted it as joy and they Praise, they glorify God. That's where God receives most of his glory right there is when we as his children are suffering persecution because it shows that we are walking by the Spirit of God. The reason we can't praise God for persecution is because we're not allowing the persecution to take place in our life. And yes, we can stop persecution from happening in our life by simply denying it, by simply backing away and saying, ah, you know, they don't know I'm a Christian. I'll just back over here. See, there's great honor and glory given to the Lord by suffering for him. 
And we need to keep this in the center of our minds as we suffer for Christ. Why are we here? What's our purpose in life? Is it to satisfy our own pleasures, our own passions, our own appetites? Is it to be successful and powerful in the business world? So we kind of keep our Christian life kind of hidden off the side a little bit. Or, as we're going to look at it next week, are we to be salt and light to the world around us, which will result in us suffering persecution for this cause of Christ that comes because we stand on biblical principles and are offended when sinners act, sinful acts are done around us. We say, that's not right. We hold to God's righteousness. See, folks, if we can't stand for what is right, then you can't stand for anything. If we can't stand for what's right, we can't stand for anything. See, we are of the kingdom of God, and we must live like it. And if that's true in your life, then great is your reward in heaven. Great is your reward in heaven. Let's stand and pray. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, visit our website at gbcak.org.